This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and this is the Are They 18 Yet podcast, where I help parents raise independent, self-sufficient kids without sacrificing their own identity and sense of purpose. I'm here to share practical day-to-day solutions for raising kind, successful, well-adjusted human beings, and actionable advice for supporting systemic changes so we can make this world a more inclusive, accepting place now and for future generations. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 29 of the Are They 18 Yet podcast. In this episode, I am going to wrap up the discussion about how to help your kids become strong readers and spellers in a digital world. So we started in episode 27 with a conversation about what texting and other technologies might be doing to our kids' reading and spelling skills. And in episode 28, I dove further into that topic and outlined some key terms. And we'll wrap up the discussion today. And I am going to talk about two of the three essential components and things that need to be there in order for your kids to have enough practice in order to develop the skills that they need to have those solid literacy skills that they'll need for being successful in school and then in life beyond school. So those two things that we'll talk about today are called active and generative use and integration of skills. Let me start off with a high-level overview of what we've discussed so far. So in episode 27, I shared the three components that need to be there in order for us to have successful literacy intervention for our kids, regardless of whether they are texting or not texting. And as I've said before, they probably are. 
And they are going to need to be doing some of those things and using some of those technologies to be able to keep up and and fit in with a lot of the activities that are commonly done and social situations. And then also in school, a lot of times it's a requirement that they use certain technologies. And you've got to have that awareness of those types of things if you want to be able to have a job beyond school. So they do need to be tech savvy. So we want to consider, all right, what types of things need to be there in order for them to have those good opportunities. So those three things that need to be there in order for kids to develop strong reading and spelling skills are structured intervention, active and generative use, and integration of skills. So in episode 27, I talked about phonology. So under structured intervention, there are actually three skills that need to be there in order for kids to really be able to decode words fluently because that is really important for having that high-level comprehension. If we're spending so much time thinking about what a word is, then it's hard to understand an entire sentence or an entire paragraph and just make sense of what you're reading Or when you're writing, it just gets really bogged down and you might forget what you're saying if you're really thinking about how to read and spell words. And those are things that are important for kids to have as they go through their school experience to be able to read and write fluently. And then after school, if you have a job, a lot of jobs require you to have those skills as well. So with that in mind, we need to give kids the specific skills that they need in order to be good decoders and writers and spellers. So under structured intervention, what kids need in order to be able to do that are skills like phonology, morphology, and orthography. So obviously, if you are listening to this and you are a speech pathologist or a teacher, you may know what some of those things are. If you're a parent and you aren't sure, I do define those in more detail in episodes 27 and 28. So I talk about what phonology is and how you can use it to help your kids when they're trying to read or spell unfamiliar words and why that is something that is way more effective than a lot of the generic strategies that you might see when you Google how to help your kids read, for example. So it's a lot more specific and it makes things a lot less confusing for kids, especially if you have a a child who is struggling and you've told them to sound it out and they haven't been able to figure out what that means. So that's what I talk about in episode 27. And then in 28, I get into morphology and orthography. And those skills are really important because a lot of curriculums are doing a pretty good job with phonological awareness, so that phonology component. And again, we're talking about structured intervention here. So those are the specific skills that kids need. And a lot of curriculums really have an emphasis on phonological awareness and and phonics. But where it gets a little bit more confusing is when there are words that are longer, that are more complex, that have a spelling that is more difficult and sophisticated, that doesn't necessarily have a one-to-one correspondence between the words and the letters. And once you get to that point, it can be tricky to figure out how to explain to kids how to remember how to spell different words and explain the meaning behind it. So that is why it's really important to address 
morphology and orthography. Again, in the previous episodes, I do talk about what those are and some initial concepts that you can use to to figure out how to start helping your kids build those skills. So before we get on to our conversation about the other two components, so again, phonology, morphology, and orthography fit under structured intervention, and there are two more pieces that we need to talk about, which is active and generative use and integration of skills. And so that's what I'm doing today. But before we do that, I wanted to remind you to, of course, listen to episodes 27 and 28 so you really get the big picture. And if you want some more detailed definitions of some of these terms and then also some specific examples of different spelling concepts that you can teach your kids if they are struggling to read and write originally, I created this resource called the Word Study Toolkit. It was specifically for speech-language pathologists who were working with kids who have language processing issues due to diagnoses such as dyslexia or developmental language delay or a number of other diagnoses that can impact someone's ability to learn and learn to read. So originally I created it for speech-language pathologists, but I have had some parents and teachers also say that they found it useful. So I wanted to share the Word Study Toolkit with the listeners of this show. What it is is a digital download with some videos that explain how to use it and, and explain some of the key concepts you need, but it has the definitions of things like morphology and orthography. It has other definitions like prefixes, affixes, how you can look for them. And then there are word lists and flashcards with different concepts that you can teach your kids to help them read and spell fluently. And it's specifically focusing on the components of morphology, which is the study of the forms of words, like like the affixes in a language, and then also orthography, so the different spelling patterns, because there are words that have multiple meanings, multiple spellings. So those can be tricky, and it is really important for kids to be able to understand those different patterns. So this is a digital download that gives you flashcards and word lists of all of those different things that you can teach your kids to help them start to pay attention to some of those language concepts that are going to be really important for them to learn how to become good readers and spellers. I focused on morphology and orthography because there is a lot of information out there for teachers, for speech pathologists, parent blogs, things like that. There's a lot of information out there about phonology, but there isn't as much information out there about morphology. So that's why this resource is focused on those components. To get access to the Word Study Toolkit, all you need to do is go to drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash word study, and you'll be able to get instant access to the download and the videos that go with it. So again, that's drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash word study. Now let's get back to our conversation about the tenets of effective literacy instruction in a digital age. 
While structured intervention of specific skills that helps kids decode is really important, we also need to have two other things, active and generative use and integration of skills. Let's talk about active and generative use first. We get stronger with skills when we use them actively instead of passively, kind of like how you can't learn to drive by simply sitting in the passenger seat. At some point, you do have to get behind the wheel. This is referred to as active use. Now, as far as generative use, when we use skills in generative ways, we're taking a skill or concept and applying it across different situations and contexts. For example, you might learn that you can use a certain letter to spell one word, but since you've developed an understanding of what that letter represents, you can also figure out how to use it in other words. Working on skills like phonological, morphological, and orthographic knowledge form that foundation for structured literacy intervention. However, in order to be proficient, kids need regular opportunities to have that active and generative use. A lot of kids do just fine with the standard reading curriculum delivered in most schools. Even with the influx of screen time and text speak, However, some kids need things to be more intensive and direct, especially if they have diagnoses that impact learning. And even though school curriculums do involve a lot of structured teaching strategies, a lot of skills need to be learned implicitly. In other words, instead of someone sitting down and explaining the skill directly, kids have to figure it out on their own as they're practicing other skills. So that's what implicit learning is. When somebody doesn't directly tell you, you just kind of figure it out. So one example would be, as kids are reading, they might pick up on the meanings of vocabulary words or the spellings of words that they're encountering for the first time in a book that they're reading, for example. So when we have these unique situations to apply skills and learn things implicitly, that's a really good opportunity to engage in that active and generative use. But as I said before, some kids do fine with this, but other kids struggle. Some kids don't necessarily know how to bridge that gap between application. Here's another example to help you understand what could constitute that active use of skills and another example of how implicit learning takes place. A lot of times when kids are writing, they have to remember how to spell words And they also have to figure out how to formulate sentences with different vocabulary or problem solve to figure out how to spell words they might not have learned before. It challenges them to apply the skills that they've been learning. But as they're struggling through this and being challenged, those skills become stronger. It's kind of like when you're lifting weights, you increase the weights that you're lifting and it's harder, but you get better and stronger over time. What's really interesting is that because of these challenging situations and these rich language experiences, the average elementary school student can learn thousands of new words each year. And a lot of it happens during those challenging reading and writing tasks. So kids are learning things implicitly all day long, which is a good thing because there's no way that teachers could possibly cover every single skill kids need to know. But unfortunately, 
when a student has a diagnosis such as dyslexia or a number of other things, and I'm mentioning dyslexia a lot here because that's one that is language-based and impacts reading, but there are other diagnoses that can impact it as well. But when you have something like that going on, it is harder for them to pick up on language skills implicitly, especially during reading and writing. So this could be those skills such as phonological, morphological, or orthographic information. So I mentioned before in some of the previous episodes that when you start to teach kids a skill in a structured context and draw their awareness to different spelling patterns or different strategies, they can figure out how to do it in that setting many times. But What we want kids to be able to do is take that information that you've given them and take that knowledge. So, for example, if you've taught them to pay attention to certain prefixes, you'd want them to, in theory, start to look for other patterns and prefixes so that they could pick up on other skills. And that does happen. But the problem is, is that while certain kids just kind of pick up on that more easily, Kids who have disabilities that impact reading are going to have a harder time picking up on those patterns if you don't give them some additional support during the active and generative use. So what this means is that some kids need more structured explanation and intervention before they're able to move on and be independent with active and generative use so that they can start to learn things implicitly. So this means that they might need some assistance transitioning to more difficult application tasks. So for example, instead of learning how to spell a word and immediately being able to use it while writing an essay, they might need to do additional practice using the spelling pattern one word at a time or in individual sentences, for example. However, once kids do start to grasp onto literacy concepts, having lots of opportunities to practice is really important for them to retain those skills, especially if reading is something that's hard. So think of it like a muscle that gets stronger after being flexed repeatedly. You've got to keep flexing it in order for it to stay strong. Otherwise, you could atrophy. So when we think about things like technology, we just have to make sure that kids are flexing the right muscles. With phonology and orthography, there's some potential to practice these skills when you're using a device, but where it gets a little bit questionable is when you have things like spell check and autocorrect. When you're spelling a word with a pen and paper, there isn't any device there to generate the rest of the word for you once you've written the first few letters. Instead, you have to think about the sounds in the word, think about the written symbols, and then write them. It requires a lot more effort and attention and is way more active and generative. Now, as you practice spelling and reading over time, these types of things, for example, writing a word on a piece of paper, it it doesn't feel like hard work anymore because your brain just processes all that information automatically and fluidly and it feels automatic. Or, for example, when teachers give kids sight words, that's essentially what happens, is that those skills become really fluid and automatic, and you don't have to go through the process of thinking through the letters and the sounds as explicitly. 
what you can do is just you do it really quickly. And all of that happens in a split second because our brains are pretty amazing. It seems like we've memorized those skills, but because the process has become so fluid, it just seems that way. But going through that process over and over again and having those experiences and those opportunities to practice is what gets us to that point where we're really automatic. But if you don't have as many opportunities to practice a skill, it makes it harder to get to that point of being automatic. And using technology like texting can potentially limit the opportunities kids have to practice those foundational spelling skills if all they have to do is type out a couple letters and the the device spells the whole word for them. And some of the other things that might happen, and that could be an issue with having fewer opportunities to practice, is that we have different spelling rules. So when you're texting, the word R, as in A-R-E, can turn into just the letter R. So if kids are not super solid with those patterns, will they know the difference between O-U-R and A-R-E when they actually have to spell and read them in another context? So those are the questions that we need to be thinking about. Are kids getting those opportunities to practice the skills when they are writing? Now, when it comes to morphology, the same issue can come up. You do technically have the opportunity to use those skills when you are using texting or using a device. But again, the rules get a little fuzzy and you can skirt around some of the language rules and avoid always using correct morphological skills that you might need to read a text or write a paper or write a professional email, for example. One thing that comes up is in the word because there are two morphemes that kids might have to pay attention to. There's be and cause. And both of those things are really important for kids to know how to spell because those two spelling patterns come up a lot. So it's really important for kids to be able to spell that word over and over again. But when you're texting, you can just write C-U-Z and just say cause. So not only have they eliminated part of the word, they've replaced the remaining part with something that isn't even the right spelling and isn't necessarily useful in some of those other contexts. So these are the things that we need to think about when we're thinking about active and generative use is that in order for us to be able to learn other skills implicitly, we need to become automatic with these skills. And in order to become automatic, we need to have good practice. So we need to make sure that kids are getting enough good practice. So with texting, kids who naturally catch on to language skills can often transition from these text spellings to the true spellings, and it's not an issue. And they might have had enough practice with the skills that they don't necessarily need additional opportunities to use them. So it's a non-issue if they want to text their friends and not necessarily use correct grammar and spelling. But for the kids who struggle, making that transition might be more difficult And that's why they often need extra practice with those key foundational skills that I've been talking about and that I outline in the Word Study Toolkit. 
So that's really what we need to think about when it comes to active and generative use. Are kids getting the chance to apply those skills and practice them across settings so that they can work through those challenging situations that solidify their skills? Let's move on to integration of skills, the third of the three components that we're discussing. With phonological morphological, and orthographic skills, you're never truly working on just one of these skills at a time. And the same goes for language and vocabulary skills in general. Really, they all impact each other and you can't really isolate them into individual skills. So for example, when you're talking about morphology, you also have to think about how words are spelled. So you're working on orthography. For example, if you're thinking about how to pronounce a suffix, you have to think about how the word is spelled. So you're getting both components in at the same time. Or when you're thinking about how to spell a word part and focusing on morphology, again, maybe you're focusing on the end of a word, the suffix or the grammatical ending. You also want to think about the individual letters and sounds that make up that part of the word. So you're still focusing on orthography because you're thinking about the spelling, but you might also be thinking about the sounds in the words. So you could be thinking about phonology. So for example, with the prefix re, you might think about how there are two sounds in that word, er, e. So it's phonology and morphology at the same time and orthography. Now, this integration doesn't necessarily happen across contexts. For example, you have to integrate a different set of skills when typing versus writing. For writing, you have to use letter formation skills. And while typing, you'd use keyboarding skills. So you're using multiple skills at once and having to apply and actively use different skills. But the type of task that you're doing is going to be what informs what skills you actually have to use. With devices, there are a ton of accessibility features that have opened up a lot of opportunities for people with disabilities. So for example, texting makes communication accessible for the deaf. Text-to-speech features allow text to be read to people who'd rather listen. And we can also use voice dictation for messages, which means that Sometimes you can bypass typing and spelling altogether. So these are all good things because they make it possible to connect in new ways. They increase accessibility. One example would be the audiobook, which is one of the best inventions, in my opinion. Audiobooks not only make it possible for us to listen to books while we do other things like driving, going for a walk, making dinner, doing things around the house. But they also make it possible for struggling readers to listen to books independently that they might not be able to read on their own and read books that are above their reading level. And what this can do is expose them to language skills they might not have otherwise encountered if they were only reading at their present reading level. So this is a good thing. With texting and devices in general, we have things like autocorrect and word prediction. And on one hand, it can increase typing speed. And so sometimes it can help people who are having to really think about spelling words, get their thoughts out more fluidly and get the big picture without getting bogged down with spelling. But on the other hand, they don't have to think about 
how the word is spelled as much as I was saying before. And this takes away a bit of that active component that you would normally use to spell a word when physically writing it. So we don't have that opportunity to fully integrate all the same skills that we would if we were writing, for example. Some of these features do take away some of the opportunities to have that active and extended use that can get us to that point of being automatic, as I said before. So what we're talking about when we're talking about integration of skills is something that is happening during that active and generative use. So it's kind of a catch-22, if you will, on one hand, in the moment, Sometimes it's just too hard to think about all the skills, especially if you're struggling and you just want to be able to access something without being exhausted. But on the other hand, if you totally rob yourself of the opportunities to practice those skills, then you never get to the point where it's nice and fluid and automatic. So it's it's kind of hard to figure out the trade-off with do I just use these features and not get the chance to integrate all these skills and get stronger with them over time? Or do I just try to get over the hump and start to build these skills so that it does become more automatic? Because what happens is that you do become more adaptable when you don't have access to certain technologies. And other things to think about here is that when you factor in informal grammar rules with texting and abbreviations, we don't get the same level of integration with morphology either. And the other concern with devices and phones is that most applications have features that are designed to be addictive. And that means it's easy to pick up your phone with the intention of sending a quick text to a friend, but then get sucked into a vortex of notifications and start doing other things. Even if the accessibility features are great, if you have other things that are distracting you, obviously that's not going to be helpful. (laughs) So this might end up taking time away from opportunities to do other more productive things if it does end up being too distracting. And one of those things would be having real human interactions or spending your time reading a book. So it is possible that the excessive screen time issue and the addictive nature is more harmful than just texting and autocorrect and all of those features. So that might be more of an issue than the fact that there are some different rules with grammar and spelling when you're texting or using a device in comparison. So that might be something that we might want to focus more on than just these other things that I've been talking about. So that's definitely something to consider. So where does this leave us? Well, the takeaway is that whether kids are texting or not, which they likely are, we need to make sure that they have opportunities to develop foundational literacy skills, which means that we need to make sure that we deliver structured intervention. We need to make sure that they have active and generative use in the right frequency that they need with the right level of support that they need to transition from one structured setting to more difficult, challenging settings. And then we also need to make sure that while they're having that active and generative use, that they're integrating the right skills. 
so that they have practiced with the skills that they need in order to be successful so that they can become automatic with them so that they can be more adaptable and be able to apply those skills across settings. This is true with all language skills, but obviously it's it's especially true when we're talking about reading and spelling. Obviously here, when I outline all these things, this is where a lot of people want to know where to get started and next steps. So that's why I have created the Word Study Toolkit for SLPs. Originally, I designed it for SLPs providing language therapy, and it is perfect for that. But I've also had parents and teachers find it useful as well. When I mentor SLPs, the component that I often emphasize the most is morphology when it comes to literacy and decoding because it's often not addressed with enough intensity in some reading curriculums. And this is not saying that teachers aren't doing their jobs. It's just that when you have kids that need additional intervention, you need people like speech pathologists and reading specialists and other professionals to provide some additional intensity on top of the general education curriculum in some of those skills. Because like I said, some kids are fine with the general education instruction, but some kids need a little bit more. So that's why they might need some additional structured intervention on these types of skills. I also emphasize orthography a lot because it's so closely related to morphology and it's it's something that's overlooked as well and not necessarily taught in a way that is helpful for kids that struggle. Again, might be fine for kids that catch on to those patterns pretty easily, but if you have a child who is struggling, they might need it explained in a different way and they might need certain patterns pointed out to them directly. So in the word study toolkit, I give you the nuts and bolts for the skills that you can start with as far as working on both morphology and orthography with your kids. And a lot of times when people start to realize how important these skills are, they usually want some type of complicated curriculum or hierarchy. And the truth is, is that there's no one perfect order to start working on morphology All you really need is a few simple protocols, and I actually outline one of them on my blog, which I can link to in the show notes, that walks you through an example of some activities you can do with tools like the Word Study Toolkit. So really all you need is a simple protocol like that, and then some different morphemes and spelling patterns that you can cycle through and review with your students, and that can really make a big difference. That's why this toolkit can be used for students as young as early elementary school all the way through high school because you can keep the process really simple. And there are a lot of different patterns that I have in the kit that can really give you a lot to work with so that you can start with just a few if kids are younger in the early elementary years. But if you have students who are in high school, a lot of times they still aren't solid with with them. And there are a lot of different patterns that they need to learn. So there's a ton that you can use all the way from K to 12. What's actually inside the toolkit is over 200 flashcards with prefixes, root words, base words, suffixes, and multiple meaning words word lists with key orthographic concepts. I've got some descriptions of 17 different concepts that you need to know in order to help your kids build morphology and orthography skills. And then I also have flashcards and word lists that have definitions for the different word parts because morphemes all 
have different meanings. And this can be really helpful in helping your kids understand why words are spelled the way that they are. And then, of course, we've got some video tutorials that will show you how to get the most out of this guide. You can get instant access to the Word Study Toolkit if you go to drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash word study. Again, that's drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash word study. Before we wrap up, I wanted to remind you that it helps us out so much if you leave us a five-star review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, if you know someone who is supporting kids who are struggling readers, or if you know someone who just wants to be proactive with making sure that their kids or their students have strong reading and spelling skills, remember to share this episode with them. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in episode 30. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.